Pretty incredible video, huh? It was uh, Josh Burdick and Veritas Media put that together. Thank you, Josh. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm not supposed to give her any shout-outs, but if you like that brochure, the better of the two good ones put it together. Sarah, I didn't say her name, so there you go. Uh, the, um, I just heard a, a child over here say, are we done? Um, don't worry, uh, the, the, uh, the, the team, the 10th anniversary team said you can only preach like 10 minutes because it's such a packed service, so I'm going to do my best to just keep her short. Here we go, Lord help me. <laughs> Lord, thank you that we have so much to celebrate, and thank you for this passage of Scripture we're about to look at, um, for it being our, our seed, our zera, our, our guiding truth, uh, the inbreaking kingdom of heaven. Amen. On June 22, 2008, in the midst of an economic recession, Bellingham Covenant Church voted unanimously to plant a church in this neighborhood their first church plant in an over 100-year history, led by senior pastor Paul Peterson, who is over there, uh, and lead team chair Eric Selwright, who is over somewhere, over there as well. Um, BCC cast that vote and allowed me to share a fledgling vision, as God was giving it to me in pieces, for what he might want to do through a parish model church in the Lettered Streets neighborhood. On September 1st, 2008, I signed my life away on this contract with the Pacific Northwest Conference and began working full-time developing a team of people crazy enough to follow God here doing this. And later that September in 2008, nearly 10 and a half years ago now, Eric Frazier and Candace Kennedy, Ian McFarlane and Christine Wasserman joined me in Denver, Colorado for a four and a half day church planters training event. And naturally, we learned all kinds of things about church planting, uh, but the thing I think that stuck with us most and that is bearing the most fruit in my perspective is a small exercise that they had each of the teams of planters do. And that exercise was to pull away together and to pray together about what theme in Scripture or what passage in Scripture would be our Zerah verse. And Zerah is a Hebrew word for seed. What would be the seed from which we would grow out of? What would be the DNA for who we are? And that Zara verse, of course, is Mark 1, 14, 15, which, of course, all the partners have memorized, right? But uh, anyway, uh, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news, the gospel of God. And he was saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in this good news. Now, there are so many good teachings of Jesus in the Bible, right? Why pick this one to be our Zara, to be our DNA, to be our North Star for a church? Well, looking back at the process, I would say it's more accurate that the verse chose us rather than we chose the verse. And I don't know why God led us to this passage, but I am thankful that he did. I'm thankful because as a wonderful a group as you are here at Letter Streets Covenant Church, uh, and uh, we, we need more than just willing people, and we need more than good ideas, and we need more than biblical teaching. Uh, we need more than wise advice and good intentions and cultural relevance. We need hope in someone greater than ourselves, and we need hope and assurance that success 
of a church, this church or any church, is not solely upon us. Because if it is ever solely upon us, we are doomed before we get started. Mark 1, 14 and 15 is a passage that doesn't give advice and it doesn't give opinions. It doesn't give steps. It doesn't give techniques. Sometimes I wish it did. But it gives us something more powerful and that is news. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. In the Greek language, in the gospel of Mark, that's what it was written in, uh, the word for good news is euangelion. And there are two backgrounds to the word euangelion. I want all the kids to help me out. Can you say euangelion? Euangelion. You're working on your Greek. That means good news or gospel. Euangelion means good news. The first source for that comes from the Hebrew scriptures, particularly in the uh, Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah. Uh, In the 40th chapter, for example, God tells the prophet to comfort the people with the euangelion. The good news that he is going to come one day and dwell among them. The good news that he is going to become king. And in apocalyptic literature, when God talked about becoming king king, and that being the good news, that was known as the day of the Lord, the time being fulfilled. Dun, dun, dun. In the biblical worldview, time is going somewhere. It's not on endless cycles like the pagan worldview. Creation, relationship, fall, struggle, hope, and one day, the day of the Lord. The day when God would break into history and personally change its course. And this day of the Lord is the good news for those who believe. And that is part of what Jesus is talking about. News can only make sense in context. In this case, the good news is a fulfillment of a story and a shared hope and a shared future. The prophets told of a day when God would come and Jesus declared the time is come in me, in my ministry, in, in, in my presence on earth. That's what Jesus is saying. Okay? So that's one of the sources for euangelion. The second source for euangelion is that it was a well-known technical term in the first century A.D., where Jesus was ministering. When Jesus was born, Caesar Augustus was emperor of Rome. Augustus was so full of himself that he declared that he was son of a god, and that every time an emperor was born in the kingdom, they would be a son of a god. And every time one of those people was born, something would happen. Runners would be dispatched from Rome to every town and city in the empire, and those runners would declare something. Can you guess what it is? Euangelion, that's right, it was a technical term meaning the good news, the emperor has just been born, he's your new king. Had kind of a double meaning though. Good news, out of one side of the mouth, you better get your stuff together and scrub the faces off the old emperor's bust because you better put the new emperor on because if he ever comes to visit, he's going to want red carpets and he's going to want loyalty. Now, by the time Jesus is proclaiming the gospel, Augustus had died and Tiberius is emperor of Rome, newly the emperor of Rome. And can you see the funny double meaning when Jesus is proclaiming the euangelion about himself? There's tension in the empire because he's saying, Tiberius isn't the only king. I'm the king. Receive that good news. Give me your allegiance Follow me with your life, and I will give you 
peace, true peace, not just the Pax Romana, but shalom. The actual euangelion or good news that Jesus proclaimed was that the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. The announcement of the kingdom of God means good news for those who are following that kingdom, but bad news for Herod and the kingdom of Tiberius Caesar, for the kingdom of America, for the kingdom of you, and for the kingdom of me, and for any other kingdom that sets itself up against the kingdom of God. We need to be careful to hold these two meanings of euangelion in their original meaning. When a king is announced, it's not merely uh, information. It's not, ah, take it or leave it sort of announcement. It's news, good news, not spin, not fake news, not Fox News, and not BuzzFeed news, not advice, not a suggestion, not true for some news, but it is count on it, new reality news. And Jesus was saying that the world as you know it has changed forever. The kingdom of God is breaking in. In fact, God has come. Jesus came not with an opinion, but with news. He came not only with words, but with deeds. And wherever Jesus went, wherever he taught, there was the kingdom of God. When people are being oppressed by demonic possession, and when Jesus is in their presence, the demons flee. The kingdom of God has come near. And when Jesus faced injustice and corruption in religious leadership, he challenged it. And when he came across those who were physically ill or deformed or blind or less than whole, he healed them. And when he encountered those who were emotionally broken or those caught in cycles of sin, he confronted them and forgave them and gave them fresh starts in life. That's the kingdom of God breaking in. God's promise of salvation came crashing into our world with the arrival of Jesus. That's the euangelion. But now, there's a bit of a physics problem. Maybe it's metaphysical, Ryan, I don't know. Philosophy professor. But Jesus in the flesh in the first century could not be everywhere at one time. In order to bring his kingdom in its fullness, he had to break the back of evil itself. He had to take away the enemy's greatest weapon, which is death. And because every human being is under this curse of sin, Jesus came to do something about the thing that we could not heal ourselves from. He gave himself in death for our sake. He went to the cross and took on the consequences of the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, and then he rose from the grave three days later. He rose and now reigns, and I know Easter's next week, but it's the 10-year anniversary and we're talking about this, so just deal with it. Um, He sent his Holy Spirit to all who are baptized, and he dwells now in his church. So you see, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's breaking in all around us, and the core of the gospel is this good news that the foundation of everything we are and everything we do as a church is rooted in this. We planted a church with unstoppable seed of good news, and Jesus, over the past 10 years, has seen to it that that seed has begun to sprout. It's taken root in the neighborhood, and we are both the branches and the fruit. The third and last part of our vision reveals God's faithfulness. It is the vision he gave us, and it's the vision he's begun to accomplish in and through it, through us. 
Can you hear it? Can you hear the child in one of our local schools reading to grade level because we cared enough to encourage and tutor them? Can you hear the silence of night in an African village where there was once wailing, but because they received clean drinking water and medical attention, there's now peace? Do you hear music and songs yet to be created as reflections of reality and expressions of praise and glory to the God who cares enough to pursue us in his love? The God who through Jesus has promised to make all things new. Can you hear rejoicing when the bewildered, the lonely, the wayward, the broken, the confused, the ill, and even the strong come to know how truly loved and accepted we are by Jesus? Jesus is faithful. Over the past 10 years, he's blessed us with a surrogate family. He's brought people to faith and into baptism. He's matured us and challenged us and grown us. He's, he's comforted us through many painful experiences that we've shared together, through sicknesses and through loss. He's provided opportunities for us to be a blessing to our neighborhood and our city and our state and our world. He's humbled us by the generosity of other people, Fountain Community Church, our amazing denomination and conference, other local churches, amazing partners in ministry um, in this world. And he has grown us in numbers and in depth and in giftedness. He is faithful. It is good and right to rejoice in what he's done. But the kingdom of God continues to break in. Let's not canonize this 10 years and put a cap on it as some golden age to get stuck in. But let's press on knowing that the Lord who has been faithful to make the Zara sprout these past 10 years will be faithful to bear fruit and the next 10 and the next 10 and the next 10. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. I feel like we cannot say that enough. But we recognize that the life that we have as individuals and as a church belongs to you and is a gift from you. Thank you for this day to celebrate you and each other and our partners in ministry throughout the years. Help us to rejoice well, Lord, to celebrate well as a discipline of thanksgiving. But let it be a springboard as well, encouraging us to continue to follow, knowing that you're worth following, knowing that we have a, a track record to look upon and say you are worthy, you are faithful. So help us to trust you further in and farther up. In Jesus' name.